Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Welcome, my name is Vlad and uh, we are currently in the series of Strength and Courage. But because the next week is the prayer and fasting week, I'm going to speak uh, again a bit about prayer. But this time it will be something quite different. Uh, it's, a <laughs> it's a passage that I used to read it uh, with my own understanding. But then when I went a bit deeper into it, it changed completely the way I see prayer. And I believe that together, and I hope that together this morning, we will get to understand a bit better who prayer is about. That's why the, the title for today is Who Prayer is About. Okay, who, not what. And I, I, I chose this on purpose. Who is prayer about? We know quite well what prayer is about, speaking and all these things, but we don't always know who prayer is about. Now, our answer might be Jesus, because it's always the right answer. But, <laughs> but this time, I want us to look together in uh, Luke 11, from 1 to 13, and then uh, I'll explain. So, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who, in, who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend, him, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to say before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yes, because of his impudence, he will rise, rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and, it, and you will find. Knock and the doors will be open. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It's, in, it's important to note from the beginning that Jesus had His quiet time. And right after He finished praying, His disciples gathered gather around Him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. This is the first thing that the disciples said to Him. Teach us how to pray. They didn't say, teach us how to preach. They didn't say, teach us how to lead worship, how to make coffee, how to bake cakes, how to be a better man. They didn't even say, teach us how to, teach us the 10 steps of our best life now type of things. This is not what the disciples said. Why did they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray? I, I, I studied flute for 12 years, and uh, whenever you want to learn something, you don't go to anyone. I didn't just go on the street to whatever, anyone there and say, hey mate, would, would you like to teach me flute? <laughs> No, no one does this. You go to someone who knows what it's about. So I studied flute with an uh, opera play, uh, player, flute player, 
and he had experience, he, was, he, has he had results, and he was one of the most known in my city. So when I go to learn something, I go to someone who knows what he's talking about, and his life and his experience uh, promotes him in a way, it makes him good enough to teach me. And this was with the disciples as well. That's why his disciples went to him and asked, teach us how to pray, because we want to be like you. Now, just, just by the question, just by them asking Jesus to teach them how to pray, we understand how important prayer is in our lives. Again, they could have asked him anything else, but they really wanted to know how to pray. And this makes us understand that prayer is vital to our life as Christians. Yeah. We need to understand how to pray. We need to understand to whom to pray. And we need to understand what prayer is all about. And if you want to have a right pattern of prayer, you always have to go to the Father or you always have to go to Jesus because he knew what prayer is all about. Yeah. And this is exactly what his disciples did as well. And then he said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Because real prayer can only exist as part of a relationship. Yeah. And that is quite a key point for what I'm going to preach today. Real prayer can only exist in that relationship. I can't go to anyone and say, hey, you're my father. Like, Adam, you're my father. Could you please give me a lift tomorrow at church? I, I, I cannot do this because he's not my father and I'm not his, his child. So it would be a bit out of the limits for me to go to someone who is not my father and say, you are my father. It, it makes no sense and he will even think that I'm a bit crazy and off. <laughs> and the, the idea is this, that we as children have the right to come in front of our father and yeah. to ask. A child will always have the freedom with his father to ask for whatever he needs. And this is with us as well. What gives us the right to come in front of God is the fact that he is our father. Yeah. And if you don't have a relationship with God, do not be surprised that you pray and nothing happens. You need to be in close relationship with God and then God will answer because he is our good father. Yeah. Then there is this parable that Jesus is saying to the disciples. That could quickly read it again. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now I don't want to focus on the Lord's Prayer this morning because we all heard so many preachings and sermons on the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's the most known prayer in the whole world. So I will not focus on the what or how to pray because after Jesus teaches them how to pray, he moves on. He doesn't just answer their question, but he wants to add something else to their understanding of prayer. That's why he brings this parable. Now the problem with us is that we have our Western mindset and the culture when we read this parable. I mean, which, how many of you have friends coming at midnight to ask for bread? I mean, this doesn't really happen, especially in England, right? It might happen, but culturally, it's not normal. So when we read this, we say like, who would do this? How, I mean, why do you come to disturb me at midnight when I'm in bed with my children or with my wife or whatever? Just like, back off, move on. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Instead of maybe giving them some bread, we would call 911 and say, there's a lunatic outside my door and I don't know what he wants. But in their culture, that was quite normal. It wasn't really out of the ordinary that a man would come at midnight to ask for something. Why is that? Because it was really hot, as simple as that. Even this week, as it was really hot and we were there, even with Adam and Luke, I, I was really feeling like, uh, like a bread in the toaster. You know, like really, I couldn't do almost anything. It was too hot. 
sweaty and all these things. So I, you, you can barely work when it's so hot. Yeah. Now, if in England it's hot, imagine in Middle East. Now, there, that is where it's so it's desert and all these things. So people, instead of traveling during the day, they'll travel a bit later, like in the evening and during the night, because it was cooler, it was easier for them to do their business and anything else. No one would travel during the day because of the heat of the day. So the fact that a man came at midnight to ask for something, for them it was quite normal. It's not for us, but for them it's normal, because it's when you can do it. No one would really want to get sunburn or other things because it is, it is what it is. So it's not out of the ordinary that people would come at midnight to ask for things. The other thing is that we, we, we wouldn't really have guests at midnight in our home. It can happen again, I know it can happen. But again, culturally, we don't really say, uh, do you want to come to my place? By the way, come at midnight. Um, it's, it's a better time for, for us to hang together and have a cup of coffee and stuff like that. No, we, we, we wouldn't invite people to our place at midnight. And you need to notice this one thing. The man that asks for the loaves of bread, he himself had a guest at his house as well. So because someone came to his house and asked for bread, he, who didn't have bread, went to this other friend to ask for bread in order to give the man that was asking bread. Now, it's interesting to see that uh, the man that initially asked for bread, so from the friend that was sleeping with you know, in his house, he wanted to, to do something for the friend that was asking for bread. I mean, he left his house probably before midnight, because at midnight he was at the other guy's house. So at midnight he got off his bed, and he left everything in the house with the guest, because he was there, to go to another guy to knock on the door, or whatever, and uh, during the night and uh, say, give me some bread. <laughs> this was a bit, again, that we in our culture, we, we wouldn't really understand. You, you can see that uh, when this man had this guest that asked him for bread, he didn't just say, sorry, mate, I have no bread for you. Go to another guy. He could have said that. So why don't you try the next house? But he didn't do that. Because culturally, <coughs> for them, it was good to help. Hospitality was a foundational to the Middle Eastern culture and context. If you wouldn't be a hospitable person, you would not really be seen as a good person. So what he does is that he goes to ask for bread, lent bread, to go to the, the guy that is at his house to give him what he needs. Mm. You see, he had the excuse of saying, uh, I, I really don't have, because he really didn't have anything. He could have said, sorry, I really honestly don't have any bread. Could you try it to my neighbor? But he didn't do this. He went out of his way to go and to bring some bread from the other the other guy's house, just to show that he's hospitable, just to show hospitality. Mm. And that's really interesting for us to note, because sometimes people might come to us and ask for things, and we generally don't have anything. But in this parable, we learn that if someone comes to us to ask for something, we should really do everything in we can to show them hospitality, to show them that we care about them, as this man did. In our culture, it's not really normal, and we have the excuse and rightly so, if I cannot help, I cannot help, I can't do anything about it. But what Jesus says, make the extra, take the extra mile. Go and try to help. And when anyone comes to you and asks for help, you need to do something to find, to, to help them. So as I say, hospitality is foundational to this culture. For them, if someone wouldn't help a person, they would face shame. 
So if me as the man of the house, someone comes to me and asks for something I, and I do not provide for them, I would face shame. Me and my whole family. So everyone in my neighborhood and in my community would, would know that I didn't help the man in need. So for them in their culture, that was really, really important. Honor would directly influence every decision that people would make. So if I do something, I want that whatever I'm doing to bring honor to me as the head of my family and to my family. Even more than this, in their culture, if someone wouldn't help, the whole culture will be, the whole community would after be known as a community who doesn't take care of those in need. So the whole community would be uh, under huge shame and pressure, and everyone would gossip about them. Everyone would know them that, yes, in, in that community, they don't do anything for the people. So you see, in their culture, it was really important that you do help, you do give something to the one who asks. It's really, really important. So when Jesus says to his disciples, which is a rhetorical question, says, which of you, if he has a friend, uh, will say, go on, because I'm in bed with my uh, children. It's a rhetorical question. His disciples would say, like, are you crazy? Of course you help. Yeah. Uh, there's, no, there's no question about it. Yeah. You'll, you'll go out of your way to help someone who needs help. Yeah. So Jesus knew this, but in order to make a point, he wanted to say this parable, which is again linked with with uh, the Lord's Prayer on how to pray, which again he says, our Father in heaven. So when, when this man comes and asks for bread, the man inside the house, for him it was a matter of honor to help. For him it was a matter of not facing shame. He wanted him and his family and the whole community to have a good reputation in the whole world or town or city or country, whatever. So when, when the man went, got off his bed to give him bread, the three loaves, he did it because it would honor him. If he wouldn't have done it, he would face shame. Yeah. Everyone would speak bad of him, everyone would look down on him, and he would never be seen as the same person ever again. Yeah. So for them, in their culture, it was so, so important to really be, uh, to be honored through everything you're doing. And if there's something that you do and brings shame, you will really have to live with it for the rest of your life, even. You, yeah, also culturally, when there was a wedding, uh, if, if the bridegroom and the bride wouldn't provide uh, wine and food for the guests, they would face shame as well. For the, th this, is, this is culture. That's why Jesus, in a way, helps the men and transforms the water into wine. Because otherwise, the whole family would face shame. So you see how important it is to provide for those that are around you, for those that are part of your community, for those that come always. So what, what, what is my point? My point is this, that whenever we go to God to ask for something, He will answer our prayers because it honors Him. When we pray, what I want to say is that prayer is also about how we ask God, but it's also about the fact that God is our Father. Yeah. And once we understand this, the way we pray will definitely change because it will no longer be about me. It will no longer be about how great I am. It will no, it will no longer be about uh, my type of prayer or what. It will, all, it will only be about the relationship I have with the Father and the Father God, my Father is a good God. Mm. Yeah. So when we pray, we need to know that it honors God to answer our prayers. And not this one other thing is that the man gave to the guy outside whatever he needed. This is what it says in verse 8, I think. Uh, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So you see, the man that came to ask for something, he didn't just ask for anything. He really asked what, for whatever he needed. Whenever you ask to a father something that you need, he will surely give you. I mean, which of your fathers, 
if it's in your power, right? If, it, if you can do it, give to your children something that they need, wouldn't you give? I mean, even if you don't have it, you'll find a way. You will learn from someone. This is what fathers do because they love their children and they will do everything in their power to make them feel good, to show them that I appreciate you, I love you, I am here for you. You'll never lack anything as long as, as, as you are with me because you are my child and I love you. So this is the same with God and for us even. God is our Father. God does love us. He is the one who provides for us. He is the one who would receive honor when he answers our prayers. And then Jesus continues and says, uh, and I tell you, so after the parable, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For whoever, for, for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Making, the, ma making this point that because God is the, a good father who gives his children whatever they need, you need to have the courage to go to him and ask. Yeah. It's, it's as simple as that. Because God is a good father, do not worry. Go to him. Knock and the doors will be open. Ask and you will receive. Because our God is a good father. So whenever we come in front of God to ask him something, we need to go with the assurance that he loves us, that he cares for us, that we are his children, that he is our father, and he will give us all the things that we need. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. By all these things, meaning food and clothing in, in, in that context, which shows again the heart of a father that God has. Yeah. God is our father. You know, Jesus could say uh, our father in heaven. He could say our Lord in heaven. He could say our creator in heaven. He could say anything else. But he deliberately used the word father, which implies intimacy, implies relationship. It, it tells us that God is there for us, as a father would be for his children. God is always there for us. And that's why Jesus, whenever he prayed, and you can look throughout the Bible, whenever he prayed, like John 6, for example, he would always refer to God as father. He didn't say creator, although we know God is creator, okay, we don't worry about this. But the, the point is that in prayer, is about a relationship that we have with our Father. And because He will be honored by answering prayers, He will answer prayer. His decision to answer our prayer will be based on the fact that He is good and on the fact that it brings Him honor. Because this is what God does. It's in His nature to answer prayers. That's why many times we find out in the Bible when it says, just go to God and ask and He will give you. Like, do not worry about this. Don't worry. I mean, if anyone can keep his promises, that is God. Yeah. Like, we fail, he never fails. Mm -hmm. you know, if God is for you, who can be against you? Yeah, so the most wise thing that we can do is to be in a relationship with our Father. Once we understand this, we will have the strength, we will have the courage to go and knock on the doors. We have the courage to ask God for things because we will surely know 100% that he will answer our prayers. I, I always like to say this, that my life is a paradox. Because I never had anything, but I have everything. Yeah. And it doesn't make, it makes no sense. I mean, growing up in an orphanage for 17 years, uh, I really, I was given everything. And it was how it was, but still I had what to eat, and I had where to sleep. I'm 25 now, still I have where to, to sleep, and I have where to eat. I don't own a home, I don't own a house, and other stuff, but God does care, take care of me. Yeah. Why is that? Am I, more, am I better than anyone else in the world? No. It's just because God loves me. Yeah. And he shows his love by giving things. God shows love by giving. Yeah. 
we know that he gave his son that yeah. whoever believes will not perish. So in his love, God will always give things. But it is because he loves you and because you are his child and it is because he's a good father. And if we understand this, we'll never be afraid to go in front of him. I mean, which of your parents would your child be afraid to come to you and say, I know, I, Father. They would do this only when they ask something that they know they wouldn't receive. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, when they ask, look, I, I really need shoes, or I need my oyster card, or whatever, you will give him this. You will give him whatever he needs. God, God will provide for BC everything she needs. That is a promise, because it's God's nature. It, it's just who he is. He can't help himself if you want it. Because he is good. And he will always answer prayers. And it is a promise. It's not just that I'm saying. But throughout the whole Bible, you see that God is the one who keeps his promises. He never fails. It's not like God one day says, I don't want to keep my promise anymore because I had a bad day. No. God never changes. God will not go back on his word. And one of the absolute promises of the Bible is that he will give us what we need. All the time. But it's important to understand what is it that we need. Because this is where the tricky part can come many times. Because whatever we need might not be what we actually need. And oftentimes we don't really know what we need. Like I asked once God for one million euros. And I, I, I justified myself because I said, I know I can do this. I can buy maybe a home so I can have what to sleep. And then I will give and I will start ministries and all these things. My good heart. But <laughs> some deep down inside my heart, I knew that I wouldn't receive those money. Can he do it? Of course. That's, that's not the point. He can. But I didn't really need <coughs> so much money. But yet God always provides for me, even with money and with everything I need. Why? Not because I'm great. Not because I'm Romanian. Not because I preach. Not because I come to church. He just does because I'm his child. When God has saved us, he has brought us into a family. Yeah. And the family... So it's a safe environment where parents will always take care of their children. It's just what the nature of, the, of a family is. And I speak of a good family, okay? There are <laughs> moments like with my family when they had to, to, leave, to leave me to an orphanage and my sister. But a family, and especially you, and I know some of the families in the church, I know that you do everything for your children, even rebuking them, even refusing some of the things that they ask. But you know that as a father, you'll always do everything you need and everything you can for your children. And then Jesus, with his hum humor, says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? And I mean, like, of course, no one would do this. That's another one of those rhetorical questions. Meaning that it's not only that you would not give them something bad, but you give them something good. As the man that asked for bread, for the three loaves that he needed, the man inside the house provided for him. And maybe in a way this can, this can be an image of, of, about God. Whenever we go to his house, when God is inside and we ask for something, even if it's late, midnight, God will get off his bed, if you want, and he will give us whatever we need. Because it's what God does. But of course, God never sleeps, which is quite good, because if not, the world will like crumble. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is this, we always have access to God. Non-stop. We can always go to him. We can always go to him. And because we are his children, that gives me the assurance that I will have my answered prayers. My prayers answered. Sometimes I'm not in the best moment of my life. Sometimes I'm away from God. But this doesn't change my identity as a child of God, as a son of God. 
And when, even if you go through some difficult moments, even if you feel like you're far away from God, even if you feel like maybe that God doesn't love you, oh, I want to say this, it's not true, God does love you. Amen. And even if you feel far away, He's waiting for you as the prodigal son. The prodigal son never stopped being his father's son, even when he was uh, living that ugly life, even when he was with the pigs. He didn't stop being his father's son. And we know that his father was always waiting for him to come. They want to say that because God is a good father, he's waiting for you. Yeah. He wants to be with you. This is the whole purpose of Jesus saving our lives. He brought us into his family so we can have intimacy and, and relationship with our father. And this is something that for people that do not know God, don't, that doesn't always make sense. How can you have a personal relationship with God? I mean, first of all, if they believe God exists, but let's say they believe, how can you really have? But we know, those of us that live with God, we know that he is always with us. Yeah. And, the, and the, the more we get to know God, the more we get to trust him. And the more we trust him, the easier it will be for us to come and ask for things from God. Mm. Again, as I said last time I spoke about prayer, God is not our sponsor. Because sometimes we see him like this. Mm. Whenever I need something, I go to him. Go to him if you need something, of course. But be with him even when you don't need something. Yeah, and that's something that I also have to keep in mind all the time, you know. Because I, I sometimes just go to God and say, God, I need this and that. Knowing that he will answer my prayers. But I miss the fact that sometimes I can be with God without wanting to receive anything. But I mean, God himself is the greatest gift you can receive. There's no other thing that in your life you can have. So when we have this prayer and fasting week, we need to keep this in mind. Be in a relationship, intimate, close relationship with God. And based on that relationship and on the love of, and goodness of God, he will give you whatever you need whenever you ask, knock, and seek. It is a promise. This is, this is not when it says uh, asking it will be given to you. It's not asking maybe it will be given to you. No. It doesn't say this. It, it, it's, it's absolute. It's like, it will happen. Yeah. And again, this is Jesus speaking. Okay? And then it continues and says, If you then, verse 13, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, remember, Jesus was speaking to His disciples. And He says quite strong words, If you who are evil, meaning that without God in our lives, we are evil. Take God of my life, you, want, you don't want to see how, how I can be. If God wouldn't be in my life, I would probably be in, in prison, just following in my father's footsteps. But God is in my life. But even when we are evil, even when sometimes we fail, we sin, even when, when sometimes we are away from God, He will still be there for us. But even before me being saved, right, I would still do good things for the people I love. Because being a Christian or not, you are still doing good things for those that you love. And the point Jesus makes is this. If people who do not know God do good things for those that they love, how much more God, who is like God, would give you everything you need to his children? And you see that Jesus started with this, our Father in heaven. And then he, he, and he ends this, how much more will the Heavenly Father give, give us the Holy Spirit if you ask him? So we see when, when the disciples went to Jesus and asked us, ask him, uh, teach us how to pray, he starts with the Father and he ends with the Father. Mm. Because it is all about a relationship. And again, real, real prayer exists in this relationship that we have with the Father. Do not, do not be afraid to go to God to ask him. I mean, you're not afraid to go to a friend of yours 
how much more you shouldn't be afraid to go to God. You're not ashamed to go to someone you love to ask for help. You should go to God because he's always there for you. He's always there for us. And I've seen it many, many times in my life. And you've seen it, I'm sure. In a way or another, we all have seen God's goodness. He is there for us and he will always be there for us. That's a promise. So whenever we pray, try to switch a bit uh, the focus from yourself. Though that, that must happen. You need to ask, of course. I try to focus your, your, uh, to switch your focus on God. And this will change everything. It will give you the assurance that he will answer your prayer because he's good. He will answer your prayer because he is love. He will answer your prayer because it honors him. He will answer your prayer because it glorifies him. And once we make it all about God, we'll worry about nothing. Because God wants to be glorified. He even created us to worship him and to glorify him. That is part of our identity. So everything we are doing must bring God honor. So you see why Jesus says this, speaks about this parable? Because in their culture, the man who answers, the man who gives will be honored. It's the same with God. When God answers your prayer, he will be honored. It brings him honor. And everyone will know that he is the one who gives. Yeah. Sometimes, you, sometimes we, we tend to focus too much on ourselves. But the focus of our prayer should mainly be on God. And then with our courage, we need to go in front of him and say, Father, my Father in heaven, I need this, or I need that, or I want to be with you. I want to pray, I want to read your word, I want to, I want to get to know you more. And then because of God's nature, he will answer this. But you need to understand what you need, first of all, <laughs> in terms of need. And then you need to understand that God is a good father who wants to be with you always, all the time. Okay. Amen. Amen.